So he'll be here next week and then for a while. So so glad to, to have this opportunity. Um, three questions to prepare your family for the end times. Um, and I want to read, Matt, I want to go to Matthew chapter 24, and we're going to read a couple of verses there. Um, but as, as you get there, uh, how many of you would agree that we are living in the end times? Okay. Um, see, I grew up in a hyper-evangelistic church. Uh, as Paul said to Timothy, do the work of the evangelist, fulfill your ministry. That was the, the heart of the church that I grew up in. And um, so I remember attending a lot of different Bible studies uh, with my parents where they would show the movie of the end times, the, the great tribulation. And, um, and one of the many movies, this was back in, in the 90s. And um, so as a kid, my feeling towards, um, towards the end times was that things were going to get really, 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 really bad and um, that... You know, there would be earthquakes and um, hunger and violence and, and, of course, the mark of the beast. And that the rapture would happen at some point in time and, and that if I wasn't living for God, I would be left behind to suffer. And so as a kid, you know, I lived in fear of the end times, constantly repenting of my sins, not wanting to chance it and be left behind. And, um, and in a little bit, we're going to talk about what Jesus said about the end times. But I remember having this reoccurring dream every night. Uh, and in my dream, we were at church. My family and I, we were at church. My parents, my sister. And, um, and all of a sudden, the sound of the trumpet was heard all over the place. And, um, and I could see the sky filled with light. And in the center of the light, I saw Jesus and his angels. And I looked around and I saw everyone lifting off to meet Jesus in the sky. And my family, my sister, but not me. Not me. And I remember that in my desperation, I started running as fast as I could, trying to take off like an airplane. And I never did. <laughs> I never did. Um, so what do you think when you hear the end times? Uh, my best guess is that your mind goes to one of two places. Number one, you look around and you think to yourself, man, things are getting worse and worse and worse morally, spiritually, financially. Um, or you watch the news and your attitude is like, now what? Right? Uh, or the second category would be that you think to yourself, when Jesus? Right? When are you coming back to take your people to the place that you have been preparing for us? And maybe you say something like, yeah, but I don't, I'm not sure if I'm ready yet. Now, these two thoughts will stir two different feelings in your heart. Towards the end times. The first feeling is the feeling of come Lord Jesus come. Right? Don't delay. Things are getting bad. It's time Lord. Please Lord don't let it get any worse for me and my family. I'm terrified with the way things are going. Or the feeling of 
Not yet, Lord. I know things are bad, but not until I get married. Not until I have kids. Not until my children find their way back to Jesus. Not yet, not yet. Uh, when I was single, <laughs> um, I used to think, not yet, Lord. Not yet. I don't want to be one of the 144,000 virgin men. I want me a woman, right? And, and now, you know, my, my, my desires are a little more noble. I, I want to see my grandkids. So not yet, Lord, not yet. But I have felt both of these things, right? I have felt both of these feelings. And, but regardless of how we feel towards the end times, here's what we know about the end times from Jesus himself. This is a huge topic, so I'm going to narrow it down to the things that Jesus said, okay, to simplify it. I'm a simple man. So Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 36, but about the day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the sun, right? We also know according to Jesus, again, but in Acts chapter 1, verse 9 and 11, that Jesus will return the same way he left. According to Matthew 24, verse 44, it'll be suddenly an unexpected surprise. Uh, as 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse, verse 2 describes it as a thief in the night. That was one of the movies that used to freak me out as a child. Oh my goodness, I had nightmares after watching that puppy. Um, and in all these, right, in all these things, the question for all of us individually should be, am I ready? Am I ready? Right? To me, this is the question that comes before any other question that you, that, that I want to share with you today. Have you been born again? That's the question that we ought to pose to the world. Have you been born again? Because Jesus said in John 3, unless one is born again, he or she is not ready for the end times. Is not ready to see the kingdom of God. I love this, this, this question. Are you confident in your own heart that your last breath on earth will be your first breath in heaven? And if it's not, well, in a few minutes I want to help you to make sure that the answer is 1,000% yes. But as believers, I'm telling you this is the question that we ought to pose to the world. But if you've been born again, if you have, if you have um, uh, placed your faith in Jesus, in His death and burial and resurrection, if you have repented of all of your sins, uh, surrendering ownership of your life to Jesus, doing consistently what you say you believe, then you are ready for the end times. You're ready for the end times. Let me say it this way. If you have been born again, you are ready for the end times. And this is very important, and I hope that you hear my heart cry for parents and grandparents. Please, please, please share the gospel with your children and your grandchildren. One of the saddest Bible verses in the whole Bible, in my opinion, is Judges chapter 2, verse 10. I'm going to read it to you. It says... When all the generations 
have been gathered to their fathers. Another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. See, the elders of Israel only thought about themselves. They only thought about themselves. Don't let this happen to us. You are here. You know the Lord. You love your church. But you don't have the right. Let me just, if I can be so bold. You don't have the right to leave this earth without having shared repeatedly the gospel with your generations. Don't leave this earth without your kids and your grandkids sitting where you are sitting. Hearing the word of the Lord. Worshiping the Lord at church. I have a dream. I hate when I hear young people say, that's my grandparents' church. I hate it. Don't you dare leave this earth without your kids and your grandkids sitting where you're sitting, worshiping where you're worshiping, hearing the word of the Lord where you're hearing the word of the Lord. Both pray, but share your faith, your stories with God. I'm here because my parents and my grandparents shared their faith repeatedly with me. Um, I'm just super passionate about that because we can complain about the numbers, about all-time low, you know, young people's attendance to church, or we can do something about it. And it starts with our families. I don't have the right to complain about the world if I'm not making, doing my part with the people that I have influence over. I can pray about it. Sure, do it. But let's share our faith with this next generation. Here's, um, here's three questions that I, I want to share with you to help you prepare, not just spiritually, obviously have you been born again spiritually, but also mentally, emotionally, and physically for the end times, okay? You guys ready? All right. Number one, question number one. Like I said, I, I, was, I was a youth pastor for six years, so I always have points, okay? Uh, question number one, what is happening around us? That's the question. What is happening around us? Okay, in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus describes the signs of his coming and of the end of the age. And I want to read it very carefully. Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse 4. This is what Jesus said. Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will, de and will deceive many. You know, this is happening right now, by the way. Uh, somebody sent me a video recently of this man in Israel who claims to be the Messiah. And you see these, these old rabbis all around him, kissing him, wanting to sit by him, believing with all their heart that he is the Messiah. So this is happening today. This is not a, a story or a fable. This is happening today. Verse, um, verse 6 you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. 
nation will rise against nation. Well, look at Ukraine, our re most recent example, right? And kingdom against kingdom, there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. I mean, I can tell you right now, there's been so many earthquakes in Mexico even recently. Um, verse 8, all these, all these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. Listen, Christians in America are not very popular to say the least. Right? We are treated in many circles today as if we were the enemy of this nation. And not to mention the many that are being killed right now overseas because of their faith. So this is happening right now. Verse 10, at the same time, uh, at the same time, many will turn away from their faith and will betray and hate each other. Well, welcome to church. Uh, it's been happening since I'm alive. Uh, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. I can say a lot about that, but I'm not going to. Verse 12, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Again, this is happening all around us. Just as Jesus said it would. And as I was reading Matthew 24, verse 4 to 14, I realized, man... There's not a single thing that Jesus said would happen that is not happening at some level right now in the world. And if you keep reading the rest of the chapter, you read of even more things to come, right? Things like the great tribulation, things like the sun and the moon being darkened, things like the stars falling from the sky, etc. But in the middle of all these things, and this is what I want to highlight today... In the middle of the chaos of the end times, the reality of the great tribulation, I want to highlight this. Jesus said, do not be troubled. See that you are not alarmed because, here's the promise, and I want to read it to you in verse 30 of Matthew 24. This is Jesus. He says, then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and all the peoples of the earth will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven and in power and in great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call. That was my dream. And they will gather his elect from the four winds from, from one end of the heavens to the other. Again, listen. If you have been born again, you are ready for the end times. Listen. Jesus told us what was going to happen Not to scare us, but to prepare us. And ultimately, to assure us that in the end, we will win. So don't be troubled. Don't be alarmed. Be prepared. Don't be troubled. Don't be alarmed. Be prepared. And if I can beg you, prepare your children. Prepare your children. When I became a dad, I stopped living for myself. And I started thinking 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 50 years from now. Be prepared. And prepared 
the next generation as if Jesus was going to take longer than you think to come back. Right? Because I may be an old man and Jesus would still be waiting. So what then? i got to prepare my children. So don't be alarmed. Be prepared. Okay? And this leads me to my second question. All right? In whom is our trust? In whom is our trust? Jesus said, and I love this illustration in verse uh, 40 to 42. Jesus is, is, is giving this illustration. He says, you know, two men will be in the fields. One will be taken. The other one will be left behind. That was another movie that used to freak me out. <laughs> I, I'm just recalling all these movies. Um, Two women will be grinding, you know, out in the field uh, with the hand mill. One will be taken, the other one will be left behind. Therefore, Jesus says, you know, keep watch. Keep watch because you don't know the day that the Lord is coming. And then if you keep reading and then chapter 25 of Matthew, Jesus goes into the parable of the ten virgins, right? You know the story. Ten virgins, five that were wise, five that were foolish, five that prepared, five that did not. Uh, and, and ultimately, the five virgins who were wise, they went in with the group, with the bridegroom to the wedding banquet, right? And the door was shut. And then later, the other five showed up only to realize it's too late. The door has been shut. Listen, here's the point that Jesus is trying to make in these illustrations, the bottom line. We must do everything we can to sustain our trust in the bridegroom. That's just the bottom line. We must do everything we can to sustain our trust in the bridegroom because we don't know what day the door will come. How do we do that? How do we sustain our trust in the bridegroom? To, to, to use the illustration, how do we keep our fire burning until the bridegroom comes well there's a lot of possible answers and you know most of them they're super simple right prayer worship reading of the word coming to church right I mean we we know these things right but by the way your children don't know and your grandchildren don't know you think it's important to come to church duh everybody does it they don't know that But here's a common denominator of, of, from all of these things, right? The common denominator in, in all possible answers to this question. How do we keep our fire burning? Well, ultimately, all of these things lead to an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. Prayer leads me to an, to an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. Worship leads me to an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Bible leads me to an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. Coming together in church leads me to an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. The difference between those who remain and those who falter is the depth of the relationship with the Holy Spirit. The difference between those who remain and those who falter is the depth of the relationship with the Holy Spirit. I grew up in church and I saw, I've seen many people come and go. I grew up with a lot of friends in church, pastors, kids. Same story. I've seen many people come and go. The difference is the depth of the relationship with the Holy Spirit. 
This is why Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 16 and 17, I will ask the Father and He will give you another helper, right? Another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. The Spirit of what? The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept Him because it neither sees Him or knows Him, but you know Him because He lives with you and He will be in you. Listen, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, who the world cannot accept, He's the only one who can sustain us in the last days. He's the only one that can sustain us in the last days. His comfort, His guidance, His peace, His righteousness, His wisdom is what we need to sustain our faith until the end of the age. I need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. My wife needs the Holy Spirit. My children need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. And, and let me just, just say this. This generation needs the baptism of the Holy Spirit with tongues as the evidence. I am so committed to seeing as many Gen Z's baptized with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. Because more than ever today, I think this is important. God wants us to receive the gift of tongues. This generation is the most anxious generation you have ever met. They need the gift of tongues. Listen, Isaiah chapter 20, 28, verse 11 and 12. Isaiah prophesied and he said, listen to this, listen really carefully. He said, because in the language of stutterers, and in strange language will speak to his people. To whom he said, this is what he's saying in strange language. This is your refuge. Give rest to the weary. And this is the time of refreshing. But they did not want to hear. Listen carefully. Strange tongues, according to what Isaiah prophesied, will take us to a place of rest, a place of refreshment, places of refuge. This is why the devil has used weird people to discredit the gift of tongues. Because the devil knows that this generation would come into his rest if they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and they would speak in tongues. Please hear me on this. God wants you to enter into His rest. Trust the Holy Spirit to take you there because He will. And pray for me because on Wednesday I'm going to be in the youth group and I'm going to pray for them to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They need it. They need it. I know I have needed it. I've told you my story before about anxiety. Man, I, I would have never made it out of that hole without the Holy Spirit, without speaking in tongues. In whom is your trust? I trust the Holy Spirit to take me there. Okay, question number three. <sighs> Who is our truth? Who is our truth? Who is our truth? We are living in a day and age where... Everyone has their own truth. 
People claim they, there's no such thing as absolute truth. Everything is relative, right? I can choose my own gender. I can choose my own heaven, my own way to heaven. I can choose my own reality. Wrong, wrong, wrong. There is only one truth, and it's Jesus. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And what the Holy Spirit does is that he helps us to hold on to truth. And, and he helps us to discern through all the nonsense of the world. See, the devil wants to go one-on-one -on -one against us. He wants to go one-on-one -on -one against us. The devil wants to isolate us from the two things that can help us stand in truth until the end of the, of the age. One... This is really important, the written word. The devil thrives on biblical illiteracy. The devil thrives on biblical illiteracy. And two, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit himself. Let me just illustrate it this way. Think about Eve for just a minute, right? The first one to go one-on-one -on -one with the devil. What did the devil say to Eve? Two things. Okay, two things. Has God indeed said? That was the first thing. In other words, he questioned the word of God directly, right? And so I, I want you to notice this. To her credit, right, she says back to the devil, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of this tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, do not eat from it. Props to Eve. I mean, the enemy is trying to isolate Eve from what God said, and she stands on the truth of God's word. Great. I mean, she quotes it back to her, to, to, to him, right? So, so then the enemy changes his approach, and he says to her, you will not surely die. Think about what the devil did there. He didn't question God's word anymore. He undermined the spirit of truth. He undermined the spirit of truth. Listen to me. The enemy has been playing the long game with some Christians. If he can't persuade Christians right away to walk away from truth, he will downplay the spirit of truth. Little by little. Little by little. Until that person is as far away from truth. As they can possibly be. He'll say things like, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. You can go to church once a month. You're set. Everyone is doing it. Right? You have evolved. You, you, you're more mature, right? Oh, my goodness. You are under religious spirit. The church needs to wake up. We need the spirit of truth. Listen, we can't make it without him. We can't. I mean, as, as, as great as you think you are or as great as I think I am, we will not make it till the end if it's not because of the Holy Spirit. Here's, here's the bottom line. If you were falling asleep while I was talking, wake up. This is it. Simple. 
You prepare your family for the end times by not allowing what you hear, what you see, what you feel, or what others are doing to push you away from God's written word and from God's spirit of truth. I'm going to be honest with you. I am worried just to, because of what I see around me. I mean, I am concerned. I have small kids. They're inheriting this mess, right? So I am aware of what's happening around me. And you are too. You may be more aware than me. I quit watching the news in 2020. But it's not pretty, right? So the question is, in whom is my trust? And I'm just telling you right now, I, I trust the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I trust in Jesus, but I trust the Holy Spirit. He helps me to navigate this world. 